my husband came in and he dressed me up and then he obviously put a blindfold on my face and he walked me down the stairs and as soon as i opened my eyes and i saw everyone on the screen i broke into tears cuz i was just so grateful oh. and so happy for people to make such an effort when everyone is going through their own problems and their own dramas exactly. as a result of this pandemic it just showed how much people genuinely care Hey mama, welcome back to the Whole Mama show. I'm your host Aisha Riley and we're revealing the untold stories of motherhood. Before we get started, I want to thank each and every one of you who have left a review, rating, shared on social media and listened to this podcast of mine while waiting patiently for this season. I really really appreciate you and I can't believe we're in season 3. I think it'll be hard to find anyone today who tell you that 2020 was an easy year. For the first time in many of our lives, we collectively as a global population saw and experienced the same fear, devastation, and immense loss at the same time. I know many of us hope to never again go through what some say is a once in a lifetime occurrence such as this pandemic. I know I don't. Having said that, for some, this past year and a half has been a mix of other emotions and realities. Amongst the sadness and many deaths, There were also millions of women carrying the torch of life, fueled by faith and hope. The pandemic mamas, those who, like me, were already pregnant when the world shut down, and those who conceived and gave birth in the ensuing year and a half of the ongoing pandemic. And so this season is very dear to my heart because I believe that our heartbreak, our strength, and our joy during such a dark year needs to be documented. This season is our COVID birth stories. You're not the only mama who gave birth in a pandemic. I've spoken to women across several different countries and continents to put together this collection of testimonies. My first guest this season is Didi, a first-time mama who gave birth during lockdown level 2 in South Africa. Continuing with social distancing guidelines, Didi shared her COVID birth story with me remotely. This episode is sponsored by Nook. The best shaped soother is one that takes up the least amount of space in the mouth. The Nook orthodontically shaped teeth was developed by two orthodontists in Germany after intense research into the shape the mother's nipple takes while feeding. The Nook soother is thin, narrow, flat, and has all the benefits of mother nature. It helps to prevent crooked teeth and the incorrect positioning of the jaw, giving your baby the perfect smile. Visit nook.ca.za That's nuk.co.za and sign up for their pregnancy and baby mailers for more expert advice. Okay, now back to the episode. Hey Didi, how are you doing? Hey Aisha, I'm awesome. Thanks and you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Can you for the benefit of my listeners please introduce who you are, what you do, and who your family is? So I am Didi, but most people on social media know me as Karabo. I am a mother to a really beautiful boy called AJ. I'm married to my husband Zam and I am an attorney by profession. Outside of the legal profession, I am a motherhood and social media content creator. I do have TikTok and Twitter as well. I have Facebook, but I'm not really active on that platform. 
my Instagram and Twitter handles are both Garabo underscore DD. That's Garabo underscore DIDI. And then my TikTok handle is DD Kumalo. So AJ, oh, he is so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. So he is the sweetest boy ever. So how did that pregnancy go? To be honest, I absolutely loved my pregnancy, Aisha. So I didn't have any morning sickness. I would say my pregnancy was really smooth and very chilled. I quite enjoyed it a lot. And I think I know I've been experiencing COVID and it's basically robbed so many people of a lot. But on the flip side of it, we were in a lockdown. So I got to experience my pregnancy at home where I could basically manage who was in my space and I didn't need to be out there. So the one thing that I craved so much throughout my pregnancy was sand. I know it's it's <laughs> weird, but I genuinely had this urge to eat sand all the time. And people often ask, so did you cave and did you eat sand? And I really did. Nice. I had to admit it to my gynae as well. But wow. there's actually a condition for this thing. So it's called Bika. I think your listeners can look it up. So it's caused by iron deficiency oh. and people can either crave sand, they can crave coal, like the weirdest of things. And I was unfortunate that I struggled with that. My gynae did prescribe some pills. The craving was so bad up until I gave birth. But then in terms of work, it was very, very brutal because, you know, ever since we started working from home, there isn't a really strong distinction between home time and work time. So I often found myself working eight hours at night up to even like 2, 3 a.m., which took a toll on my body. My back was often very, very painful because I sat on the chair working for hours. So on the work front, it was very, very tough, but the pregnancy in general was really, really good to me. Wow. I'm curious now, just (laughs) genuinely intrigued and curious. (laughs) How do you actually eat sand? And I'm talking from like a texture point of view. It's so grainy. Like, how do you actually swallow mm. it? I would wake up at 11 o'clock at night and be like, babe, I'm craving sand. And my husband would get so annoyed with me because he's like, what the hell, babe? So I'd go outside and we had like grass in our backyard. On the sides, there was sand. So I'd literally take a stick and like just scoop up a bit of sand, put it in my mouth. So I wouldn't try to swallow it. I just wanted the taste of it to be in my Uh, mouth. And then I'd go to the bathroom. I'd spit everything out and then I'd rinse my mouth and I'd be happy. Okay. So you didn't actually eat, eat it. It was more like sucking on the sand. Is that the same condition that makes you crave chalk as well? Yes. Yes. Uh, That's the same thing. Okay. So it's like It's it's called bigger. That's so interesting. Wow. (laughs) Okay, I mean, you mentioned your husband. (laughs) He didn't understand. I'm sure. I'm sure he was so confused. Because everybody has a different story and experience when it came to COVID and restrictions and things like that. So Mm. on Mm. your side with your husband, how did support look like for you? Was he allowed to go to consultations and to the doctors and things like that with you? So our first consultation I think was beginning of March and he came with me and then shortly after that that's when he went into the hard lockdown so going forward he wasn't allowed to come with me to the visits which was very painful 
Mm-hmm. Like I was very sad every time we had to go and he couldn't come in with me, but he still supported me by driving me to the consultations because he could have easily said, nah, babe, because I can't go, then just drive yourself there because we don't even live that far from the hospital. But he still drove with me and he waited for me in the car and I would go in and basically take videos for him to show him once my consultation was done. Um, and then in terms of other forms of support, it was quite difficult for family and friends to support us because we were in the middle of a pandemic. And for the baby's safety, we wouldn't really have any visitors. So there was so much distance between my family and Most of my friends never got to see me pregnant. They never Mm. got to see the pregnancy bump except through pictures. Mm. But they still managed to somehow show their support in other ways, whether it was sending food to our place, whether it was through long video calls where they would get updates on the pregnancy. And my husband, on the other hand, was just so amazing. I remember when we moved into lockdown level three, that's when companies were allowed to open up again. So our firm opened up on the 1st of June, if I remember correctly. Obviously, I had to go back to work and my husband was still working from home. Literally, Aisha, he was so amazing. I would come back home and the house would be clean. My husband couldn't cook before lockdown, guys. He could only make eggs and beans. But because I was pregnant and had to go to the office, he actually learned how to cook. So he'd watch Jamie Oliver videos and he would look up various recipes and he learned to cook. And he became so great, so much so that we started calling him the head chef in our household. So yeah, he was very, very supportive. Oh, well done. Well done. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It must be real, right? <laughs> those men, like you would never catch me in the kitchen. I you would might, rather order take out. You know? Yeah. You know, I might maybe put my plate in the kitchen, but that's it. The mm, whole idea mm. that he himself was like, he had that genuine, like, okay, let me actually learn. He looked up Jamie Oliver tutorials. That is so cute. Girl. And I, I think, think him learning also made him realize how passionate he was about cooking because he genuinely enjoys it now. He'll randomly yeah. still cook even now. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of men can take a page out of his book. They grow up like very pampered, very sheltered, yeah. very much like someone mm. else, the mom, the sisters, the aunties are going to cook. So they just never learn mm. how to do it. At least your husband, he gave it a go and he actually enjoys it. And I'm sure that that just helps you as well. Because I know for me, my husband is the head chef <laughs> at our house. Trust me, I get a lot of flack for that. But he actually enjoys it. He really enjoys it. Bedtime and bath time is not for him. So I do that. That's what I handle. Because <laughs> I'm like, look, yeah. we're in this together. We're a partnership. I cannot mm. be cooking and tidying up the house and taking care of the kids and working. Exactly. You know? Times have changed now. I mean, it made sense back in the days for yeah. women to be predominantly doing the housework. But now we live in an age where both men and women work exactly so i think yeah you just need to like find a common ground and make sure that your household can still function and both partners are still happy and not overworked or burdened with all the house yes and i think that's the key thing like how you said just now that we need to make sure that the house can still function because the way it's Mm. been set up traditionally is that if mommy is sick 
or something happens to mom. I remember with me, we were living in Europe at the time. My mom had to travel back home to take care of her dad who was sick. And then it happened again when my dad's mom was sick. She was the one who went back to Tanzania to take care of them. And so Mm. if we didn't have house help there, it would have been a disaster because it was like, who's going to cook? Who's going to clean? And there I was, I was Mm. like 12 years old at the time. I had to go to school, obviously. And my mom was like gone for a few months at a time. And then she'd come back Mm. and, you know, see us. And then she'd go back again. But other circumstances, it's like, well, you got to survive. And so even if Mm. the men of the family know how to cook three things, just to survive. Well, mama yeah. needs to do whatever she needs to do. So important for our husbands to be equipped in our homes. I always say yeah. to my husband, because should I die tomorrow, I need to die knowing yeah. that you guys are going to be okay. I don't want to have to think that if I die tomorrow, then the first thing you're going to do is ship our baby off to a relative right. because you're not capable of raising right. them. It's so important. Yeah. I love that you said that so bluntly because sometimes i don't Mm. think this even crosses people's minds because Mm. we're human at the end of the day i kept it a little bit like yeah you know what if we get sick but yeah god forbid you actually pass away whenever and what's gonna happen you know but it's that mentality that's still in a lot of people's heads that you need a wife it's not necessarily like okay, I want to be married and I want to be committed. They're like my life partner, but it's like, no, but I can't survive. I can't even cook for myself. I need a wife to do that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a huge soft spot for first-time mamas during this time because there's just been so many things that, you know, growing up, you know, we think about becoming moms and there are all these rituals and events that we look forward to doing. And being the sort of center of attention for like the baby shower and maternity photo shoots and things like that. Did you have to Mm. drop any of those kinds of experiences? And how did you feel about it if you did? As you said, we always imagine how our first baby shower would be. And as I mentioned earlier on, it was difficult to see most friends and family during that time. So a baby shower was definitely out of the cards. And I remember I cried about it when I was seven months pregnant because I realized how much I just missed my friends and how much I missed my family. I even said to them, I'm like, I can't believe I wouldn't be able to have a baby shower. That's literally the best time where family and friends come together to basically celebrate this new life that's on the way and to just share in the joy. And the Mm -hmm. fact that I wasn't going to be able to experience that really hurt my feelings a lot. And I think it was also exacerbated by the fact that I hadn't seen people in so long. And then before I gave birth, some of the restrictions were lifted. So it meant I would be able to have a baby shower. But I think my husband was not comfortable at the time because he's like, we're in a pandemic and we can't be sure that everyone who attains would not have this virus. So... He said he didn't think it was a good idea that we still do an actual baby shower. But I'd made peace with not having it by then. So I was like, okay, cool. But to my surprise, him and some of my friends and family organized a virtual baby shower for me. So they got someone to come to our home to do a really beautiful setup. I had a gift registry. Literally all the gifts were bought. Every essential that the baby would have needed was covered by my friends and family. And when I arrived home that day, because He just took me out and said, we're going to do a bit of home shopping. 
So we went out a bit and when I came home, I came home to this beautiful surprise and to seeing my friends virtually and having the shower, even though it was not in person, but I still found that it was very, very special and thoroughly enjoyed it looking back. I love how resourceful people became during that time. Let's be real. It was such a horrible time last year. It was. It was expensive. People were out of jobs. Mm. It was so stressful. But the fact that, that there were families and friends around the world who were like, you know what? Okay, we can't be there in person, but we still want to celebrate her. We still want to celebrate the baby. I love that. So even for me, just hearing this and, you know, I'm remembering that time and seeing on social media how people did like drive through baby showers and just some other ways of still, you know, showing support. I'm sure you were hella emotional, right? So I remember we came home yeah. and when I walked in and I saw the sets, I was like, oh my gosh. And I said to my husband, where's everyone? Are they hiding? <laughs> He's just like, relaxed. So I came upstairs, walked into a room. There was a dress laid out on the bed for me. There were shoes and there was a whole sash written mother to be my husband came in and he dressed me up and then he obviously put a blindfold on my face and he walked me down the stairs and as soon as I opened my eyes and I saw everyone on the screen I broke into tears because I was just so grateful and so happy for people to make such an effort when everyone is going through their own problems and their own dramas as a result of this pandemic it just showed how much people genuinely care Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that's, it's a feel good story. You know, it's a feel good experience. Mm. Like you said, during such a like horrible time for everybody. My husband was also in on the whole thing. I had absolutely no idea. So it was two friends of mine who co-hosted and co-organized it with my husband. And because Kev was like, oh, maybe we can do it on such and such day. She's like, no, 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 no. You need to let us know when her next appointment is with the doctor. Yeah, because uh, at least yeah. then she's oh, going to be wow. dressed up because they knew I would dress mm. up. Those are my only outings. So I would dress up to go see the doctor, <laughs> put on my makeup and do my hair. Otherwise, I was just in my bathrobe the whole time. Mm. You know? And so they're like, no, let's get her after you guys come back from the doctors so that she's getting cute because we know Aisha, she's not going to want to be looking crusty <laughs> when we do the surprise. So Everything was going, mm. you know, well, there I was, la-di-da, waddling about and came back home. And I think I had some work that I needed to do. He was like, yeah, I need to be on my laptop as well anyway. So I'm like, okay, cool, shop. I'm just going to chill. And next thing you know, he mm. turns the laptop around and I see this one friend of mine who I haven't seen her in four years. She's in mm. Rwanda. Mm. And then I just started seeing a whole bunch <laughs> of people and I was just like, what is this? Like, what is happening? I just burst out crying. Like that ugly cry. Like, (laughs) it was so amazing. And like you said, that people still got together. Everyone was spread out over about five or six different countries, Mm -hmm. several different continents. They made a Mm -hmm. bad situation good. So I'd really love to hear your birth story. Where did you have AJ? And at that time, what were the COVID rules? I remember on Friday, 21st of August, I woke up that day and I said to my husband, we need to go to the mall. I want to buy some last minute baby stuff for my hospital bag. Because the plan was that on the Saturday, I was going to shoot shoot my hospital bag video for Instagram. 
And then I was going to sum up, finish packing the bag. I had bought most of the things, but I hadn't started packing the actual bag. So everything was just all over the place. So we went to the mall. I walked so much that day, Aisha. Oh my God. My husband was walking so fast. I couldn't keep up. There was no way AJ was not going to come. Yeah. So then we got back home that evening and we decided, you know what? This is probably because AJ was due to come on the 1st of September. And we decided, ah, babe, this is one of the last Fridays where it's just going to be the two of us. Let's just have a chilled evening indoors, watch some TV and have some great cuddles. So we chilled and my feet were so swollen. Sam started giving me a massage and then eventually at around 1.30 a.m. we decided to come to bed. So then we got into bed, Sam fell asleep immediately. And because I had fallen asleep on the couch earlier that evening, I got into bed and I couldn't sleep. And you know, when you're pregnant, you're always awake in the early hours of the morning. Yeah. As I'm chilling, I literally feel something inside my stomach snapping. And my heart literally sank because I was just like, what the hell is that? And I quickly woke Sam up. I was like, babe, wake up. Something just snapped inside of me. And because he was so used to me waking him up in the middle of the night to either massage me or to just fetch me water or something. He was so tired that evening. He's like, no, babe, it's nothing. Just sleep. And I was like, <laughs> no, babe, for real. There is water leaking down my thigh. And as soon as he felt it, he woke up immediately. He was like, wide away. He's like, oh my gosh, switch on the light. Because I was next to the light. I switched it on. And as soon as I stood up, from the bed, there was a gush of water coming out of me. And it kind of freaked me out because I was like, I'm not prepared. Like, what's going on? He's not supposed to come now. Is this really happening? It was just like a really confusing moment. So I called one of my cousins who's a doctor and I'm like, this is happening. Am I going into labor? Because obviously I'm a first time mom. Like, you know, you're in labor at the same time. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I explained to her and then she's like, you're definitely in labor. And funny enough, because I was leaking so much, I'm like, wait, Zam, I need to shower before we leave. <laughs> so I get into the shower. It's like three in the morning. Take a quick shower. And when I come out, I'm still leaking. So the shower was pointless. And I quickly grabbed like random PJs and put them on. You know, before giving birth, I, sh- I had bought the cutest PJs. But in that <laughs> moment, you are <laughs> you're in such a panic. You're not thinking, oh, I need to put on my cute PJs. Yeah, you're yeah. thinking I need to get to the hospital. So I put on my most random PJs. I put on my gown. So I fortunately had a list of all the things that the baby's bag needed on my phone. So I airdropped it to Zan and he went downstairs. He packed up everything. And then he said to me, I'm just going to pack all the essential things that you'll need for now. And then I'll come back home and get everything else. Quickly drove to the hospital. We got there. And when we get to the emergency door, they literally tell us Zan can't go in because he needs to do a COVID test. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, are you guys serious? I'm about to give birth when you're telling me that. My husband can't come in. I was quite devastated and I actually started crying. So they booked out a room for me. And when I got to the room, the nurses were there. And I obviously told them that there is no way I'm giving birth without my husband being in the room. And they obviously saw how shattered I was by him not being inside. So they gave me some grace and they said that Zam could do his COVID test. They called my gynae and he said they should give me meds to basically pause my labor. So at that point, the pains were not so bad. You know, when you've got like mild period pains. Yeah. 
the pain felt like period pains at that mm. stage. And then they injected me with some stuff. I don't know what it is, but it basically paused the labor. And it was around 5 a.m. in the morning they did that. Zam took his COVID test just after we got to the hospital. So this was around 4 a.m. Whatever they injected me with basically made me very sleepy. So I was sleeping for most of the morning. Like I was falling in and out of sleep. I would just be calling Zam to ask, did you get your results? And he'd be like, not yet. I'm still waiting. And he was obviously outside the hospital waiting to get his results. And eventually, I think around 2 p.m., that's when his COVID results came back. Because I also had to do a COVID test. But yeah. I did it while I was already in the hospital. Oh, I hated it. It was just a lot. The COVID test was nothing compared to the labor pain. So I was just like, yeah, this is nothing. When the results came out at around 2 p.m., the nurse said to me that they need me to be well rested for when I deliver the baby or when I'm in proper labor. So they only are going to allow them to come in in the evening. Then they induced me. Zam came in at like 6 p.m. And then they had to induce me to start my labor again. And they told me that it would be really painful because everyone knows that when you get induced, it like exacerbates the labor pain. Mm. And then I asked my gynae when we should expect the baby to come out. And he said maybe later that evening around midnight. So I was like, cool. But I said the whole night I was two centimeters dilated. It was the most excruciating pain I had ever experienced. The pain was so sore. I genuinely thought I might slip into a deep sleep and just die. I remember crying. Like the pain was so much. I remember asking my husband, can you please call my mother and tell her that I'm in pain and please ask her to pray for me? Because in that moment, I think the reason I thought about my mom is because, you know, a mother's love, man. Yeah. And you know your mom has experienced this. Your mom has overcome this. In that moment, it just feels like my mom is possibly the only person who can understand the pain that I'm going through mm. right now. Then he called my mom and she's just praying for me. At some point, he started playing me some worship music because he had created a playlist for me and he, he created like this worship playlist for me and he played it for me. And I remember faintly hearing the music in the background. There was one particular song that he kept playing. And I remember that song in that moment so vividly that even like for a month after giving birth, whenever that song played, I would break down and cry because physically still feel the pain that I'd experienced during labor. But at some point you forget the pain. And I think that's why women often go back to giving birth again, because you experience this really, really painful thing. But over time, after giving birth, you forget about it. You remember that it was painful, but you can't really physically feel the pain anymore. Yeah. They do check how far you are dilated when you do a C-section, hey? Do they? Well, no, not necessarily. It depends because obviously Mm. you have the planned seizures. You're not supposed to have been in labor for planned seizures, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. But then you have the emergency seizures. Like Mm. mine was a Mm. scheduled seizure, but I went into labor like four days before. With my firstborn, Mm. I went into natural labor before. So they had to check how Mm. dilated I was to make sure that they were going to administer the right medications. And then with my second one, it was also a scheduled seizure. And I went into labor the day before the scheduled seizure. Mm. So... But in both circumstances, they checked how far dilated I was. Hella painful. <laughs> Yo, like, I think that's worse than the labor pain. I oh, my scream. God. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That thing was painful. Every time the nurses would walk in, I would literally cringe because I was just thinking, Lord, you better give me strength for this because this is yeah. hell. 
I gave birth naturally without an epidural. That's what I had opted for. Mm-hmm. And my gynae had said to me, like during the preparation phase and consultations, he said to me, the only way you'll do a C-section is if the baby's life or your life is in danger. Yeah. But other than that, you're looking good for a natural birth and that's what we're going for. And I was happy to do that. And I also said I didn't want an epidural because I've just read so many stories about epidurals and how they can affect your back. Mm. And being someone who really has back issues, I just thought, let me just... But the pain was so so at some point. I'm like, give me that epidural. <laughs> and everyone around me was just ignoring me. Nobody yeah. had time. I kept begging my husband. I'm like, go call them, please. Tell them to come cut me up. It's fine. <laughs> and everyone was just ignoring me. Like by like quarter to 10, I was in so much pain. I fell into a deep sleep. I don't remember if it was that long. Maybe I fell asleep for 10 minutes and it felt like a really long sleep because of how exhausted I was. But I remember being woken up and they're like, yep, you're ready to go give birth. Let's go. Let's go. And I had experienced so much pain in those past few hours, Aisha, that on my way to the delivery room, I literally did a little prayer in my heart. And I was just like, God, I've been through so much. I've been through hell. This has been so, so painful. Please give me the strength to just get this baby out of me as quickly as I can. Let it just be a smooth process. And I remember we got into the delivery room and I sat on the bed and they explained to me when I should push and like you wait for the contraction. And once you feel the contraction, then you push. And I pushed the first time, pushed the second time. And they told me that the head was basically almost coming out. By the third push, the body just slipped out so nicely Mm. and AJ was out. It was the biggest relief I've ever felt in my life. You can't even explain it. It just feels like, wow, I have just conquered. And I promise you, every mother can tell you that once you give birth, you realize that you can literally do anything. You can do anything. Like giving birth. It's so empowering. Yeah. Yeah. I can't explain it, but yeah, Yeah. you would know. Yeah. (laughs) I think of everything that motherhood has brought to me. I think that is something that I lean on a lot. I always go back to Mm. that. Whenever I'm scared of doing anything, I always remind myself that I'm like, I made and birthed two humans. Mm. If that's not power, if that's not bravery, I don't know what is, you know? So if I was able to do that, I can do anything. Anything, literally. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. It really is the most empowering thing ever. Mm. That moment meeting your child, ah, (laughs) it's the best feeling confirm they look like aliens i looked at aj and i was like yo this this thing looks weird (laughs) they don't look cute at all (laughs) but i will say i still found my children literally just mine whenever i see other people's Mm. newborn babies i'm just like congratulations i'm never like oh they're beautiful (laughs) you know how people like oh they're beautiful i'm like when I saw my kids, I think it was, mm. especially with Kai, my firstborn, mm. the eye contact for me, like it is etched in my brain. Like it's in my soul. The moment our eyes locked, it's like he recognized mm. me mm. and I recognized yeah. him. And I'm just like, I let out <laughs> the most primal cry I've ever in my really? life. You know, it was just so like, relief and it's joy and it's like disbelief Mm, mm. and it's everything hearing that cry 
I think it's in that moment when you realize, wow, like my baby's actually really here and yeah. they are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Beautiful. Mm. I love listening to birth stories. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> That's so amazing. So what was the newborn stage like for you? Did you continue to isolate or did you have any mm. family come and help? What did that look like for you guys? At the time AJ was born, like I said earlier, we were not in like strict lockdown anymore. There were still restrictions, but things were not as hectic. So we did allow some family and friends to pop in, but obviously we still made sure to observe all like safety protocols, made sure that our guests would be wearing masks. We made sure that like, we didn't have a whole lot of people coming at the same time. So we'd have one or two people come to visit us. In my culture, when you give birth, you're expected to go home for the first two to three months so that your mother can basically help you mm. to be a mother and, and guide you in those first few stages of being a mom. Well, I personally decided I want to do this in my house with my husband. And fortunately, both our parents respected that. So what would happen is that every weekly that alternate either my husband's mom was here or my mom was here. Then they would give us like one week where none of them would come. So we could just be together and bonding with the baby. So when we did meet the help, they were present. And what was great was that whenever my mom came here, she would sleep with AJ to allow Zam and I to get like proper rest in the evening. And she would also encourage us to go out to have dinner somewhere together. We actually had a date night, which was so refreshing because stereotypically a woman is in the house for three months and you don't see people, you don't go anywhere, but it just felt so good. And where my mom was coming from was that our marriage was there before the baby. Mm. And just because we now had a baby, we shouldn't now neglect our relationship. We still needed to nurture that as well, because obviously we were newly married and it was so important for us to still continue bonding. Like it, it made all the difference. I have to say that's so progressive of your mom, hey? Because mm -hmm. with a lot of traditions, especially even just currently in a lot of African countries and cultures mm. in general around the world, it is still very much like you get married and yes, your husband is your priority and the only thing that matters. But then as soon as you become a mother, then your baby becomes your priority and the only thing that matters. So mm. husbands really mm. are kind of pushed to the side Look, mm. I understand the reasoning behind it, but I think the, the issue that I've always had is that it kind of remains that way yeah. until the child becomes a grown up and then they leave the house. You've neglected your marriage for mm. all that time. And so, so I think that's mm. just really great that your mom was the one who encouraged you guys to continue nurturing your marriage. That's something that I talk about often on my platforms as well. The mm. importance of your marriage, like as women, we are constantly bombarded with these messages that you're a mother, you're a mother, you're a mother. You people make you feel bad for yeah. living outside of being a yes. mom. And you go out and everyone is suddenly like, where's, where's the your baby? child? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but they never ask the men that. If you dare live outside of being that role of a mother, it's like, what kind of mother are you? But it's like, no, but I'm also someone's mm. wife and I'm also someone's, mm. you know, sister and I'm also someone's friend. Yeah. I'm also just a person. Mm. Like, can I just be you on know? my own for a little bit? 
and take care of myself as well so I can take care of my family. So I think it's mm-hmm. great that it's your mom who is really encouraging that. I think that's so different and yeah. refreshing to hear. Motherhood can be a bit burdensome and like exhausting and tiring. And unfortunately, motherhood doesn't always necessarily get the best PR. All we ever hear on social media is how exhausting motherhood is, how the baby's always crying, how I don't have my life anymore. And I'm blessed to say that I predominantly didn't get to experience the negative aspects of motherhood. It just speaks to the amount of support I had, whether it was through family coming to help us with AJ, whether it was through our nanny who is just so amazing with him, or whether it was exploring something like sleep training, which makes all the difference in our journey. I've genuinely enjoyed this motherhood journey. It does have its challenges, but I personally would say that it's been one of the best experiences with my life. If right now I was in a financial position to have another child, I probably would be pregnant tomorrow. Yeah, that's just me. I think that's just so great to hear. Your story and your experience is like a testament to how much of a positive impact having the right support around you can be. Mm. I mean, I am one of those moms who, Mm. especially the first time around, it was just such a mess for me. It's not to blame anybody, but it was lack of support, lack of knowing and being comfortable in myself and confident in myself that I can ask for help. Because the narrative that we've been told, and this is across a lot of cultures, is that if you're a good mom, then you do everything yourself or you you don't ask for help or you don't Mm. accept Mm. help. Society has Mm. kind of built it up to almost make it seem like even if it's not help, exactly we were saying earlier, you completely revolved your entire life around your child. So you might have Mm. the help, you know, relatives maybe coming, especially in the first few weeks or months after giving birth, but you're still expected Mm. like to drop everything and become a mother and that's it, you know, full Mm. stop. Mm. So your experience especially as a first-time mom hearing that i'm so happy for you i'm so relieved Mm. that is such a crucial and vulnerable time in our lives Mm. and Mm. if we don't have the right setup it can be devastating so i I hope you do have another baby (laughs) so you can experience (laughs) that just like to add that a part of why the journey has been so smooth and so great is that maybe I'm speaking from a place of privilege. The fact that we can afford to have a full-time stay in nanny, the fact that our family is able to frequently come visit us. I must admit it has to do in a sense with privilege because not everyone has the means to have a full-time nanny. So I don't want to take away from the experiences of those mothers and what they went through. I'm just acknowledging that because of the privilege, not only the privilege that I had, my journey was a bit easier, but also from my side, because I've also been proactive on my side and being invested in this journey and being full on. Because for me, Aisha, motherhood feels more like I'm living out my purpose, to be honest. You know, I'm often celebrated for doing so well outside of my home. For example, in my profession, being admitted as an attorney, everyone is like, wow, that is great. As I mentioned to you when we were chatting earlier on, I don't always enjoy my profession. In fact, not the best thing that's ever happened to me. And to get to where I am in my career, it took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of pain and tears. 
Whereas with motherhood, on the other hand, it felt so seamless and it felt like I'm living out my purpose and I'm meant to be doing this. And it just brings me so much thrill and joy. And in part of preparing for it, I always ensure, for example, I'll post on my social media how I'm constantly preparing meals for AJ and planning our time properly. And that, to be honest, has played well in making sure that this journey is what it is. Mm. Well, that leads very nicely to my last (laughs) question, really, which is, what's your whole mama truth? To me, motherhood is basically an unveiling. It's an understanding of myself that has basically been previously unknown. Before motherhood, I definitely knew that I had the capacity for a deep connection and to love deeply. However, didn't know the level of ferocity I could have for one human. I don't mean I love my child violently. So ferocity has other connotations, which include strength and raging love that stops at nothing. And that's the kind of love I have as a mother. And when I think of God, that's the type of love he has for us as his children. That's what motherhood means to me. And that's how I feel about my son. Mm, That's beautiful. Mm. Didi, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for this chat. I had so much fun. I was so happy to hear Didi's positive experience with first-time motherhood so far. Speaking to her, I couldn't help but think that maybe her second journey will affirm her whole mama truth. I know that no two pregnancies or experiences are the same, but I kind of secretly believe that if you had a really good go of it the first time around, the second time around would be just as good, if not better. As many of you know, my first year in motherhood was a mess. If it wasn't for the pandemic, this second pregnancy and birth would have been a much better experience for me. I really did enjoy it all more, and COVID was the only shadow that was cast over my experience. I had already known that I was prone to postpartum depression because of the first time. I knew that I had to put into place the support systems and nets to catch me if I felt I was going down that road again. So it was beautiful to hear that Didi had both sides of the family supporting her and her husband during their first time at parenthood. Thanks so much for tuning in and thank you to each and every one of you who has left a review and rating. They are massive on podcasts and they help me reach more women. If you haven't already, please leave me one. A quick one-liner or a rating out of five will do. And if you're listening on a player that doesn't give you those options, I'd really appreciate a share on social media, tagging me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Aisha and Life. That's A-I-S-H-A-A-N-D-L-I. FE. You can also find my honest take on motherhood on my blog AishaandLife.com and my YouTube channel Aisha and Life. I'm Aisha O'Reilly and I hope this episode has left you feeling a little bit more whole, Mama. Mm-hmm.